Go to John 3, please. Gospel account of John, the third chapter. We've been on this subject for some uh, weeks now that we're calling not guilty. If you haven't been with us, let me encourage you, go get the previous messages and ministry. We believe it'll help you. It won't cost you anything. Go back in the back after service and get you a CD or a DVD. Go online, download it. it won't cost you anything. And our texts have been here in John chapter 3 and, and 8 and Romans 8. In John 3 and 14, said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Keep reading. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe in him? Verse 17. For God. How many of 17 goes with 16? Starts off with a four. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Said out loud, Jesus didn't come come to condemn. condemn. This is very important. He didn't come. What does condemn mean? If you look up the word, it has to do with the idea of being judged and found guilty and deserving of punishment. To be condemned is to be found guilty. Did Jesus come to show us how guilty we are? He did not. He did not. Did he come to show us how much of a sinner we are and how much of a failure we are? He did not. He did not. What did he come to do? Verse 18. He that believes on Jesus is what? Which is to say Not not guilty. Do you believe on him? Somebody say, I believe on him. him. Therefore, Therefore, I am not condemned. I am not guilty. guilty. I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. He said, he that believes not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. If the Lord had wanted us to be condemned, all he'd had to do is nothing. Not come, not pay the price, leave us like we were, because we were condemned. And today, those that refuse to believe on him, refuse to receive the solution for their guilt, and so remain condemned. You have to believe on him. Faith is not optional. You have to believe on him to be saved. Verse 19 This is the condemnation that light is coming into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Well, we choose to love the light. We choose to love him, the Lord. He is the truth. He is the life, the way. In John 8, you don't necessarily have to turn there, but we saw the story of how that the woman taken in the act of adultery was cast down. And, and they said, do you stone her? Do you not stone her? And uh, Jesus told them the one that was without sin, they could cast the first stone. And one by one, convicted by their own conscience, condemned by their own conscience, they left. And then Jesus said in John 8, 
10, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? Verse 11, she said, no man, Lord. And then Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say she hadn't sinned. Basically, he did say she had sinned. And don't do it again. But he's not interested in her feeling bad and feeling guilty and her being punished. He's interested in her being free. It's not about fixing the blame. It's about fixing the problem. Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Go and be free, we could say. Hallelujah. Is Jesus the condemner? He is not. He's the Savior. He's the justifier. In Romans 8, Romans 8 and verse 1, are you there? Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no no condemnation. What is condemnation? It's guiltiness. Being guilty. There is no guiltiness to them who are in Christ Jesus. You ever dealt with a guilty conscience? Yeah, you have. How about to those who are in Christ Jesus? See, that's weak, isn't it? People go like, really? Maybe I still got some guilty conscience. That's why we're preaching. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> because those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit, to them there is no, no condemnation, no guiltiness, no shame. He's the glory and the lifter up. Of our head. It doesn't please the Lord for us to go around beat down, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed. We talked about this earlier. There's a phrase I want you to treat like cuss words and don't use it again. It's the phrase shame on you. That's an ungodly phrase. That's actually a devilish phrase. Shame on you. Don't say it to anybody. Don't say it to yourself. Don't say it to your dog. Just get it out of your vocabulary. <laughs> Did I lose somebody? What's wrong with that? I'm trying to tell you. Everything's wrong with that. Shame has to do with being guilty. Being condemned. In Christ. If you come to realize it. You'll find out you are blameless. And that makes you shameless. And before it's over, it'll make you fearless. You'll be bold. Keep reading verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Say it out loud. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. I think if we saw 20% more of what was there to see, we'd shout for the next six months, almost without stopping. This is the best news you have ever heard. This is the gospel. Go with me to two places, please. Uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation, 
the twelfth chapter. And uh, Romans, I think we'll go to the tenth chapter. Are you believing with me this morning? For I would ask you to. Revelation chapter 12. We've looked at this, but I want us to look at it again. There's a great, great truth here. In the 10th verse, Revelation 12, I'm reading in the Amplified. He said, I heard a strong, a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, he who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night, has been cast out. We have an enemy. There is a devil. He's called the adversary. Adversary means the one who's against you. And the language here is legal. Legalese, if you will. Condemned. Justified. Accused. Adversary, advocate. This is all legal terminology. And it's not that the Bible got it from the legal profession. It's the other way around. (laughs) But the way the enemy opposes us is not just a random hodgepodge way. He has to get judgment against us to find access to us. Now, if that's a new thought to you, don't throw it away. The devil cannot. He ain't as bad as he cracks himself up to be. He can't just waltz into your life and do anything he wants to do. If he could, none of us would be here. He'd have taken us out a long time ago. I know when I was uh, in first year Bible school, young and uh, learning everything, But the enemy began to bring thoughts to my mind. You're not going to live much longer. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to kill you. I'd cast it down. Now on my mother's side. The previous three men. Had died young. At 21 years. Same age they died. It's kind of a mysterious thing. The enemy tried to mess with my head about it. And they used to tell me. My grandma would show me. On that side would show me a picture of my grandpa in the casket and say he looks just like him. <laughs> Talking about me. Well, he died at 21, gunshot. His daddy died at 21, gunshot. And um, so, you know, the enemy tried to mess with my head. And I found out later that uh, before I reached that age, I was in a situation one time, I didn't know it at the time, where a guy was pointing a 44 Magnum at me through a gun and was drugged out of his head and was going to shoot me, and by the grace of God, he didn't. But no doubt, the devil had that set up to do it. He's always trying. He's a killer. He's a murderer. But the grace of God changed something and stopped something that had been in my family for generations. Glory to God. But anyway, the enemy was still trying to mess with me. You know, I'm taking you out. You're not going to live much longer. I'm taking you out. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. This went on for months. 
I don't mean I'm hearing voices, but you know, pretty regular. That thought had come across my mind. I'd cast it down. I said, no. And one day the Spirit of God inside me, thank God for the Holy Spirit. If you listen to him, he'll help you get things stopped. Came up in me and said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? Oh, I got sassy. I thought, I, I, got, I said, yeah, bad boy. Why? Why? Why haven't you already taken me out? It's not that I didn't give you any opportunities. I mean, as a kid and as a teenager, oh, man, I thought I was Tarzan. I literally would swing from the trees on the vines. Anything that was fast... A go-kart, I drove it so fast till the wheels came off. I had so many wrecks. A motorcycle. The first motorcycle I ever got, oh dear me. I have crashed. I've gone through fences. I've gone through barbed wire fences. I've dived into rocks. I'd visit the uh, emergency room at least a couple of times every summer. That was just a tradition. <laughs> the devil had so many opportunities. To kill me and take me out. And I said, yeah, bad boy. Why haven't you already killed me? Just because you like me a little bit? So you let me live a little bit longer? Nah. You know why he hasn't already killed you and me? He couldn't. He couldn't. He's tried to. But by the grace and mercy of God, you've been kept. And I've been kept. But you and I have a part in this. It's not just all up to God. Keep reading. The accuser of their brethren who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night. That ought to make you dislike him a lot. Continually accusing you of stuff before God. Trying to build a case against you. To get judgment against you. Always trying to build a case against you. You talk about enemy. He's your enemy. Verse 11. They have overcome him. Who? How? By means of the blood of the lamb. And. 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 I think a lot of people do not keep reading. They talk about the blood and they stop. They don't acknowledge the other part. Which is a big, big mistake. Yes, you got to have faith in the blood. Yes, you do. But you got to have something else. I said you got to have something else. If it was just faith in the blood, that next part wouldn't be in there. It'd just say they overcame him by the blood. But there's something else. They've overcome him by means of the blood of the lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. That's a legal term. Testimony. Somebody say testimony. Now the word testimony or witness appears hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old and New Testament. It's a very big subject in the word of God. And in fact, the very Christian life is the life of a witness. Isn't it? 
What's one of the big reasons why the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And and you shall be witnesses. What is a witness? I think sometimes we hear this terminology and we've heard it so much that we attach some kind of vague religious notion to it. But no, a witness is someone who has personal experience of a thing and testifies. They go on record testifying that they are a witness. (laughs) Glory to God. And you and I are to go on record as a witness. We're not just talking about theory and supposition. I have met him. He saved me. I was there. I was there. (laughs) I know where I was. And I know what he did. He has healed me. I was there. I saw it. I heard it. I felt it. Somebody says, so you're an eyewitness. That's right. I'm an eyewitness. (laughs) He answered my prayer. He met my needs. He's paid my bills. I'm a witness. Come on, say it out loud. I'm a witness. Being a witness can cost you. It goes on to say they love not their lives unto the death. And you got to not be afraid to stand up anywhere before anybody. Do you know Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in my words before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father and the angels. But if you'll confess me, that's the idea of testifying and being a witness. If you'll confess me before men, I, Jesus said, I will confess you in front of the Father, in front of the angels. How many believe there's coming a day when all the world stands before the throne of the Almighty? Do you think you're going to want Jesus to stand up and claim you and call your name and say, yes, I know them. They're mine. Woohoo! Then you best not hesitate down here right now in front of anybody anywhere to stand up and say, yes, I'm one of them. Yes, in fact, I'm a ringleader. I'm a Bible-toting, word-quoting, tongue-talking, healing-believing. Yeah, yeah, you looking at one. I am one. And the biggest one I am is one that loves Jesus. I love him. I believe in him. He's my Lord and my master, friend. You don't have to try to push it down somebody that don't want it. But you don't be ashamed anywhere with anybody. Right? Never, never. You confess him in front of people, he'll confess you in front of the Father. This has to do with testimony. Now, uh, they overcame him how? By how many things? Help me out. How many things? Not one. Not one thing. Two things. They overcame him by the blood 
of the Lamb. And, and the word of their testimony. What is the word of your testimony? If you're going to overcome the accuser of the brethren, what's he accusing you of? He's laying charges against you. He's saying you're guilty. Isn't he? He's saying you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. He's trying to provide evidence, memories, things seen, things heard, things done. You're guilty, guilty, guilty. Why? Because if you're guilty, you should be found guilty and judged and punished. You deserve punishment. How do we overcome these accusations? This onslaught. How do we overcome? The blood of the Lamb. Don't make stuff up. Now just stay with the verse. The blood of the Lamb. And what? Whose word? Whose testimony? So you can have the best attorney in the world. But if you take the stand and plead guilty. You're done. Right? I mean your attorney can have taken care of everything and the judge be ready to just say innocent, all charges dropped and you can get up on the stand and they say, well, what do you say? And you go, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I did it. I'm a low down, sorry dog rascal. Well, you're done, aren't you? You're done out of your own mouth. Go to Matthew 12, please. Matthew 12, 36. I'm reading the Amplified. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. This has not been believed by most Christians. I hear a lot of preachers. They just don't, don't even try to watch what they say. I'm not saying I've always said everything perfectly. But if I hear myself saying the wrong thing. I'll correct myself. I believe what I say matters. There's all kind of things you just could not get me to say. You couldn't beat me with a bat and make me say it. Because I believe that my words carry weight in my life. And I've come to see they carry weight in the court of heaven. My words. Yours do too. Our words. Look at the very next verse. Jesus said what? What did he say? By his words. By your words. By your words you'll be what? Justified and acquitted. Condemned. And by your words you'll be what? Condemned and sentenced. By what? By what comes out of your mouth? By what you say? By what I say? Some people that visit with us in church for the first time are surprised, sometimes annoyed, by how much confession we do. Say this. Say that. Say this. Say it again. People are like, "Mm, why are we going to do all this saying stuff? You just preach and leave us alone. (laughs) Sorry I can't do that. Because it's not the Bible. Christianity is called 
the great confession. And Jesus, the head of the church, our high priest, actually works with what we say in this life. He works with what we say. Uh, Go to Hebrews, please. Book of Hebrews, third chapter. Hebrews 3 and 1. He said, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of what? Now this word profession, that's King James. Most of your modern translations say confession. He is the apostle and high priest of what? Our Our confession. Christ Jesus. He is. Skip down to the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter and the 14th verse. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us do what? Hold fast fast what? Our Our what? At your confession. What you say. How did they overcome the accuser? Blood of the Lamb and what they said. Their witness. Their testimony. Well, your testimony is what you say. Isn't it? See, the church has lost some things here. People say, well, that's strange, all these guys making all these confessions. No, that's the way the church used to be. That's how it started out. What's strange is everybody being silent as a tomb. That's the new thing. (laughs) You got to give the Lord something to work with. Do you believe it? And the Bible said this word of deliverance and salvation, it's not far from us. It's not you got to go to heaven to get it and bring it down or to go to hell and try to get it and search it out and bring it up. No, he said it's close to you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. How many know this is how you get born again? How do you get born again? You believe something in your heart? And, and. How many know most of the church has gotten away from man? Well, I just believe what I believe, and my beliefs are personal and private, and and I'm not this loud vocal like so many of y'all are. You just let me do my thing, you do your thing. Well, honey, you can't rewrite the Bible. God's not going to adapt it to fit you. You best come over to Him, and it would explain why some things hadn't been happening for you. And while the devil's been running over you. He's laying for you. He's trying to build a case for you every day. You better take the stand and give the right testimony. And give your advocate, your high priest, something to work with to shut him down. How do you overcome the devil, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren? By the blood of the Lamb. And the word of your testimony. Since we got this high priest, what do we need to know? One of the main things about having a high priest, we need to hold fast what we're saying. Because our high priest works with what we're saying. Can you see this, saints? If not, why mention it? Why talk about it? In the um, Hebrews 7 describes what the Lord is able to do. We've quoted this phrase, but I don't know that we've understood that it has legal meaning. 
legal application. Hebrews 7 and 25, I'm reading the Amplified. 7.25 says, Therefore he, talking about Jesus our high priest, is able also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he is always living, King James says, to make intercession. But here this says, to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. This is not so much that Jesus is praying for us at the throne. He is our representation at the throne. And if we will testify what he told us to say, he confirms it and backs us. Somebody said out loud, I have representation. I have in the high court of heaven. I have representation. At the throne. So what does he represent? When it comes to you. He represents what he has done. For you. And. What you say about it. If you'll agree with him and say what he said, he's able to back that and be there on your behalf. Let me read another translation. The complete English, the CEV says, he's forever able to save the people he leads to God because he always lives to speak to God for them. The Living Bible says he's able to save completely all who come to God through him since he will live forever. He will always be there to remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. But much of the church has only emphasized that the price has been paid. They have not emphasized us confessing it part. Have they? They haven't. They've acted like it's just all up to God. And we've got nothing to do with it. But if you are the accused, your testimony carries great weight. Doesn't it? What you say makes a huge difference. Now listen to this. The Bible teaches us, in fact, there's like seven different times in the Bible that this passage is quoted. Where he says that every word shall be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Do you remember that? How many witnesses? Not just one. One is not enough. Said out loud, one is not enough. One what's not enough? One witness giving testimony is not enough. He said it. In um, Numbers. He said it in Deuteronomy. He said it again in Deuteronomy. He said, I'll read Deuteronomy 19.15. He said, at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And he said previously one witness, in other words, won't do it. It's not enough. Matthew 18.16. He said it again in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Second Corinthians 13. Two or three witnesses. First Timothy 5.19. Hebrews 10.28. Over and over again. He keeps talking about two or three witnesses. Look in John 8. Turn over there please. John 8. He applied this to himself. That his witness must have 
corroboration. Now think about that. He applied it to himself. John 8. Are you there? 13. John 8, 13. The Pharisees said to him, you bear record of yourself. Your record's not true. Why did they say that? Because they're quoting this passage that you can't just have one witness. You can't just witness of yourself and that's it. Verse 14. Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true. I am telling the truth. For I know where I came and where I'm going. You cannot tell where I come and where I'm going. They really didn't know where they were coming or going. Or whether he was coming or going. (laughs) And they were the leaders of the synagogue. So I wonder how the people are doing. (laughs) Fifteen. You judge after the flesh. I judge no man. Keep reading. Yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone. But I and the Father that sent me. Keep reading. It's also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. It's got to be corroborated. Verse 18. I am one that bear witness of myself. And the Father that sent me bears witness of me. He said we got our two witnesses. Glory to God. So here, Jesus refers to he and the Father as two. He said, I thought they were one. They are. But they're not the same person as some would try to imply. He prayed that we would be one, even as they are one. He's not praying that we'll become one person. We'll always be different persons. But we can be one in heart, mind, spirit, function, vision, right, purpose. Now I want you to notice something. Go to Isaiah. Anybody ever heard about being Mirandized? You ever heard about that? I know you've watched enough shows to know that. You're Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. What's the next part? What's the next one? You have the right. Y'all are a little bit too familiar with this. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one. One will be appointed to you. And then they'll ask you, do you understand these rights? As I've read them to you or whatever. And, and the next part is, with these rights in mind, do you wish to speak to me? Because all of this is about the protection of our Fifth Amendment right. All of that's to protect that. And the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution states that no person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. You never have to say anything that would incriminate you or that could be used as evidence against you to find you guilty. Did you know in Christ you have that right? Not to incriminate yourself? It's so sad that millions of Christians are not utilizing this right. They're not using this right. 
Because church people have been taught to confess their sins. To confess their crimes. To confess their guilt. How unworthy they are. Haven't they? For centuries. The emphasis has been. You're unworthy. Yes, yes, we're so unworthy. You're just an old sinner. Hopefully, maybe saved. By grace. This is common church talk. Isn't it? Well now. What's your testimony? What's your testimony? Are you guilty? If you're guilty. You should be punished. (laughs) You feel that? (laughs) We just poked some holy cows. Woo. You hear that? We're bumping up against hundreds of years of church tradition. (laughs) Do we need to knock it in the head? Not just poke it, knock it in the head. (laughs) Yes, we are. If we've missed it, we're to go to the Lord. We're to admit, acknowledge that we missed it. Confess. But then, if you've done that, what did the Bible say? He is faithful. To do what? He's faithful and just to forgive you of all the sin. And, and, and. To do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, if you did that and he did that, what should your confession be now? I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm so unrighteous. I'm so unworthy. That flies in the face of what he just got through saying he would do. You're either righteous or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. But see, you got Christians everywhere. All they will confess is their guilt, is their crime. When it comes to your guilt, you have the right to remain silent. Because it will be used against you, not just in a court in the land, but in the high court. It'll be used against you by the accuser of the brethren. And you know the determining factor, what will make the difference in what happens to you? The blood of the lamb is a constant. It's not changing. It's not going anywhere. You know what's not settled? Your testimony. That's what's not settled. How do you plead? (laughs) That's pretty good. How do you plead? Are you guilty? Or not guilty? Unrighteous? Or righteous? Unworthy? Or worthy? Clean? Are unclean. Clean. Clean. How do you plead? (laughs) Yeah, but you've done some stuff. I plead the fifth. (laughs) You've done all kind of stuff. (laughs) I refuse to answer that question. 
I have that right. We got that right just in the country, in the U.S. How much more we ought to use it when it comes to the accuser of the brethren arrayed against us. I want you to notice something here in Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. I'm reading in the complete Jewish Bible. Isaiah 53. Verse 6. It says, We all like sheep went astray. We turned every one to his own way. Yet Adonai, the Lord, laid on him what? What did he put on him? The complete Jewish says the guilt of all of us. What did the Lord put on him? What about the guilt you have felt in times past? Or any guilt and shame that you felt this morning? Did the Father really put all your guilt on him? Did he? Did he or not? It wasn't his guilt. He didn't commit any sin or crime. It was ours. He laid on him the guilt of us all. Keep reading. Though mistreated, he was submissive. He did not open his mouth. Say it out loud. He didn't open his mouth. He goes on to say, like a lamb led to be slaughtered, like a sheep silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. He says it again. This emphasis has to mean something. What does it mean he didn't open his mouth? What does it mean he didn't open his mouth? If you read in the gospel accounts, you'll see that it says they accused him of many things. And when he brought him in, you know, before the high priest and and then also before Pilate, they just hurled accusations at accusing him. He said this. He said he's going to tear the temple up. He said he's going to do that. He said he's going to do this. Accusations. What can we hear in this? Who's motivating this? The accuser. You see him in action. Working them up. To find fault and accusations with him. And you know what the Bible said repeatedly? He answered them not. He wouldn't even answer. Why? He would not plead his own case. He would not claim his own innocence. Even when he hung on the cross. Hung on the cross. Pierced. He said when somebody said something about it. He said don't you know? I can call on the Father and He would give me legions of angels right now? Do you believe that's true? That Jesus could have cried out on the cross and legions, thousands of mighty angels would have swooped in and wiped out that place and got Him off that cross because He did not deserve personally to be there. He'd never committed a crime. He'd never failed God. He'd never disobeyed. He'd never been rebellious. He didn't deserve any of this. But if he had opened his mouth, you and I'd be lost. What courage it must have taken. What strength to know. All you got to do is open your mouth and you're out of this. You're free from this. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't open his mouth. Why? 
Oh, here's the great truth, saints. You know why he didn't open his mouth? So you can open your mouth. Let the redeemed of the Lord just feel it in their hearts. No, no. Let the redeemed of the Lord open your mouth. What courage and strength it took for him to bite his lip. When all he had to do is say, I appeal to the throne of justice. I am innocent. I don't deserve any of this. I call on the justice of the Almighty. If he had a, if he had a, that place would have been shaken. Those angels would have showed up. He'd have been instantly delivered. Are you glad he didn't open his mouth? Come on, are you glad he didn't open his mouth? But him not opening his mouth gave you, gave me the right to open our mouth and to give the testimony that I have been made clean. I have been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. Hallelujah. 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 How did they overcome him? Turn to 2 Corinthians 5 with me. They overcame him with two things. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Actually, this is talking about two witnesses. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Because the blood is An eternal witness. Did you know that? The blood of the Lamb is vibrant and alive right now. It is on the mercy seat in heaven, in the Holy of Holies. And it is speaking. Said out loud the blood blood speaks. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus, 12:24 says Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen. God said, you know, when Cain killed Abel, he said, where's your brother? He lied and said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Well, what was Abel's blood crying? What was it testifying and saying? It's saying, Cain is guilty. Cain killed me. Avenge me. Right? What's the blood of the lamb saying? It's saying something a whole lot better. It's speaking better things. Oh, glory to God. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. His blood is on the mercy seat. And that blood is saying, innocent, innocent, clean, made holy, made worthy, made righteous, made accepted. 
And it says it all day. And it says it all night. And it says it every day of every week. And every week of every month. And every year. Forever and ever and ever and ever. It will never lose its power. And it will never stop speaking. But that is not enough to set you free. That alone is not enough for you to personally experience all the freedom and blessing that that brings. What else must there be? You have to add your witness to the witness of the blood. What do you think you ought to say? You ought to say exactly the same thing that the blood is saying. Right? Don't say anything any different than what the blood is saying. Agree with the blood. Agree with what the blood is saying. It's speaking good things over you. Not bad things over you. Good things over you. 2 Corinthians 5. Are you there? In closing I think. Verse 17, what does it say? If any man be in Christ, he's an old sinner. Doing the best he can. Trying to make it in. No, that's unbiblical church idea. He is a new creation. All things are passed away. When memories come to you, you need to holler, passed away. (laughs) Passed away. Passed away. What happened to all them since? Oh, they passed away. Sorry to hear about it. No, I'm not. (laughs) What about those little problems you used to have? They passed away. (laughs) I'm quoting scriptures. They, They passed away. And behold, all things are become... New, 18, and all things are of God who's reconciled unto himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Skip down to verse 21. For he, God, has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of of God in Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. First Corinthians 1.30, don't turn there, but it says, in Christ Jesus of God, He's been made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. The Bible says we've been accepted in the beloved, Ephesians says. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Was Jesus made sin with our sin? Go back to 2 Corinthians 5.21 up there. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Was he really made sin with our sin? Did he become sin with our sin? Was our guilt and our shame put on him? Are you sure? All of it? Are you sure? Then after having gone to the heart of the earth. After having paid the price for your and my guilt 
and sin and shame, was he raised from the dead completely free from all of that sin and guilt and shame? The Bible says when he appears, he will be without sin. Why would you say that? Whose sin will he appear without? (laughs) So where's our sin? He passed away. (laughs) It passed away. Where's our sin? Did he really, after having been made sin with all our sin, was he then made so righteous that he came into the very throne room of God and sat down at the right hand of majesty with no vestige of sin or guilt or condemnation. Then this proves that everybody who believes on him, no matter how vile or how sinful, has now been made so righteous as to be able to come boldly into the throne of God, the holiest, purest place in the universe, having been made righteous, made holy, made worthy by the blood of the Lamb, and and the Word of their testimony. How do you become righteous? Put up on the screen Romans 10, 9, and 10. How does a person become righteous? Romans 10, 9, and 10 says it. If you'll confess with your mouth, with your mouth, with your mouth. Tell your neighbor, help me out. Tell your neighbor, with your mouth. With your mouth. The Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. What will happen? You'll be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man does what? Believes unto what? Unto what? Righteousness. The church has been preached that it's been forgiven and doesn't have to go to hell. The church has not been preached to that it is righteous. In fact, the church has been taught to confess its sins, not to confess righteousness in God. So you have a sin-conscious church. So you got a guilty church. You got an unworthy, ashamed church. That'll keep you out of the throne room. That'll keep you from praying boldly. It'll keep you from facing the devil down. Come on, are you listening? It'll keep you defeated. Oh, but when you find out, <laughs> when you find out what it means that the blood has been shed and the blood is speaking, it'll change you on the inside out. You'll become as bold as a lion. You'll pray like Jesus prayed. Oh, come on, you'll, you'll walk. You'll face storms and demons and disease like Jesus did it. Why? Because he's a righteous man. That's how a righteous man operates. And did you know that you are? You are a righteous man? Everybody stand on your feet. 
Stand on your feet. What about your sins? What about your mistakes? What about your failures? Aren't you guilty? Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you embarrassed? How do you plead? (laughs) Glory to God. Are you righteous or unrighteous? I want to hear your testimony. Huh? I want you to say this out loud just like this. I have been made righteous. That's your testimony. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't merit it. It's not because you lived perfectly. Say it again. I have been made righteous. Are you holy or unholy? Say it out loud. I have been made holy. I have been made holy. Are you worthy or unworthy? I have been made worthy. Are you acceptable to God or unacceptable? I have been made acceptable to God. Is this your testimony? Feel good, feel bad, look good, look bad. Even when you've made a mistake, if you need to, you do go to the Lord and acknowledge it and confess it. But once he's heard you and forgiven you and cleansed you, stop confessing sin. Confess that he has cleansed you from all unrighteousness and you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, lift your hands, everybody. Let's praise him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.